What's up, Point B fans? Thanks for tuning in. We've got your midweek update just ahead. Before we do that, though, I want to point you to uh, our Facebook and our Instagram pages. Instagram, it's at Point B underscore cast. Facebook, just search Point B podcast. And uh, we would appreciate likes, shares, and comments. Uh, but really above that is going to be reviews. Whatever platform you're using, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, just to name a few, if you would leave us a review on your platform of choice, that's just going to help us get found. And we can't get found and we cannot grow without you. So we greatly appreciate it. And uh, we got your midweek update coming up right now. the same facility that was open for a month in the Trump administration, summer 2019. That is when Joe Biden said, under Trump, there have been horrifying scenes at the border of kids being kept in cages. And Kamala Harris said, uh, basically, babies in cages is a human rights abuse being committed by the United States government. So how is this any different than that? We very much feel that way. Uh, and so the, these are facilities, let me, be, let me be clear here. One, there's a pandemic going on. I'm sure you're not suggesting that we have children right next to each other uh, in ways that are not COVID safe, are you? I'm suggesting that Kamala Harris said that this facility, putting people in this facility was a human rights abuse committed by the United States government. And Joe Biden said, under Trump, there have been horrifying scenes of border uh, at the border of kids being kept in cages. Now it's not under Trump; it's under Biden. This is not kids being kept in cages. This is this is kids. This is a facility that was opened that's going to follow the same standards as other HHS facilities. It is not a replication. Certainly not. That's that is never our intention of replicating the immigration policies of the past administration, but we are in a circumstance where we are not going to expel unaccompanied minors at the border. That would be inhumane. That is not what we are going to do here as an administration. We need to find places that are safe under COVID protocols for kids to be, where they can have access to education, health and mental services, consistent with their best interests. Our goal is for them to then uh, be transferred to families or sponsors. So this is our effort to ensure that kids are treated or not in close proximity and all right that's all i could take i cannot stand jen saki i guess is how it's pronounced just take the p out and until she takes the p out she's pisaki to me anyways uh we got a very very busy midweek update coming for you um we're gonna hit you fast with a bunch of different articles we got some audio we're gonna play for you and uh, we're gonna talk about the cages on the border that uh, mysteriously well we'll get into it i got a lot to say there who built the cages joe um, then we'll talk about Coca-Cola, talking to their white employees, encouraging them to be less white. And uh, Saturday Night Live came out and made a just a, a tiny anti-Semitic comment about Israel's COVID vaccine rollout. Uh, we're going to hit real quick um, some rapid fire stories because I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I really want to put some time in on Coca-Cola. So we got a bunch of articles I'm going to hit at the end really quick and fast. Of course, uh, links will be in the show notes for you to read up on on these topics yourself. Talk about Trump speaking at CPAC, I believe, this coming Friday. Uh, Disney now feels that being colorblind is a sign of racism, so they're going to pivot, go the other direction. And then we also saw, uh, this is something I'll probably hit on, but I'm going to cover it in more detail on Friday um, at our uh, Friday debrief. But Biden's attorney general nominee, Merrick Garland, is seemingly unable to have thought about any of these heavy topics before going before the Senate Confirmation Committee. 
and uh, he's, he's got some, some interesting audio that we're going to listen to. So that and more coming up on episode 23 of the Point B Podcast. Stay tuned. All right. That was a long introduction. I apologize. We got a lot to talk about today. First off, you heard that audio of um, Fox News correspondent. I always forget his name. McGee. Um, talking about um, the fact that in 2019 we saw from, I think he said, was it Vice President? Um, Kamala Harris was actually saying that it was a human rights abuse uh, how these children were being um sheltered on the border uh, of course you saw i'm sure all the videos saying that kids were in cages uh, you saw ocasio cortez over at the border bent over crying um at a seemingly empty field in front of her um we saw a lot of backlash going towards the trump administration just a little over a year ago because these kids were kept in facilities that they deemed inadequate now some would say if you don't like the facilities Maybe you shouldn't be sending your kids to live there. I don't know. I mean, the kids are coming from a lot of different um, avenues, to be fair. I, I understand that. There's kids coming, I guess, alone. There's kids coming with their parents, and then they're being separated. There's kids that are being used by the drug cartels to essentially what they're doing is they're overwhelming the border, and then they're claiming uh, whatever bogus reason it is why they're wanting to be here. If you got a kid with you, they're not going to send you back because, again, we're not in the business of separating families. So, that I mean, the coyotes, not the animal, the group of people that like to traffic humans. It's a shame I have to clarify there. Um, but they're infamous for doing that. They, they kidnap children. They use the children as a legit excuse to cross the border. And then once they're across the border... The kids are left to put to be put into these facilities, and then the adults are nowhere to be found. It's well documented. It is not speculation or anything like that. So now we've gone from human rights abuse to, in 2021, it's yeah, but COVID, apparently. Um, you heard in that audio the, the Pisaki being questioned several times. How is this okay now, but it wasn't okay back then? And every single time... It's essentially, well, because we're in COVID. We're not going to have kids laying side by side in individual beds now, are we? And it was, it was listening to that audio was, it was extremely eye-opening to me about just how, um, not hostile, but almost just talking down and almost daring people within the media to go against this administration. You you heard how she, she shot that question back. You know, we're not going to, Essentially, we're not going to be violating COVID-19 protocols, right? And he answered it perfect, perfect, perfectly well, I believe, when he just, I'm not suggesting anything except the fact that a little over a year ago, this was a human rights issue, and now it's, yeah, but COVID. Um, see, this is where I think the Biden message, the administration's message is failing, because there really is no message. Instead, it's it's purely whatever Trump did, we're going to do the opposite. And we saw that on day one, we've seen that with in month one with the flurry of executive orders coming out, essentially just undoing, and then in, in many cases, just kind of a spit in the face of anybody who would support Donald Trump. Um, not very unifying, in my opinion. I don't know about you. 
except when it comes <laughs> apparently to putting kids in cages, they're, they're essentially not even essentially, they are doing the same thing as the Trump administration, putting them in these facilities that are not cages. Let's be real. They are facilities. But the problem is what they are saying is there are one too many kids and two, they are still following COVID safety protocols. So they had to, out of an abundance of caution, out of emergency use, they had to go and use these facilities that were um, used during the Trump administration. Maybe uh, maybe Biden and Barack just didn't get their money's worth out of the cages the first go around. So now that, you know, it's all about that return on investment. So maybe that's what they're doing now. But I have, a, a, I think, a very valid question. Don't you think that these kids who are kids, they are children, and proven to be at a very low, almost non-existent level of risk at not only contracting COVID, not only presenting symptoms of COVID, but getting sick and dying from COVID. Very slim chance of that happening. So has anybody asked any of these kids, like, hey, do you mind if there's another kid within six feet of your right and your left? Odds are there'd be a resounding um, no. We're, we're cool. Like, just shelter as many people as possible. That's how it plays in my head. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid. But it just seems that this administration's entire argument just centers on Yabba COVID or Yabba climate change or Yabba Trump. Where's the accountability in that? When you have global events as your justification for any and everything, how do, how do you argue against that? How do you argue against the Keystone XL pipeline when the, the rebuttal is Yabba climate change? There's no facts on either side of that case, except the facts that show, yes, the earth has warmed a percent of a percent of a degree, and we're all still here. So I don't know where we go go from here on that one. All I know is that it is, it's almost a guilty pleasure now for me to turn on the news and see the media seemingly turning on the Biden administra administration. But I have to say this. Not on the Biden administration as a whole. It's on Biden. Now, I don't want to go down any uh, crazy conspiracy theory trails here, and we'll jump off the subject in just a second. But just since the um, since the campaign season before the November election in 2020, it seems like the media is okay tossing Biden under the bus, or at least running his foot over a little bit. At times, the to me, the truth in the pudding is how they're treating Vice President Harris. That they, they treat her with kid gloves. They throw throw her on the cover of what is that, Vanity Fair or Vogue or something. You know, she they're treating her the same way they treated Michelle Obama, which was a conquering hero, the most beautiful woman ever in the world, an insane uh, style and sense of fashion and all of this stuff that. Maybe I'm the only one who didn't want to bang Michelle Obama, but let's just make it very clear right now. I don't find her that attractive. And any sort of redeeming qualities she or Kamala Harris have, both of them have oh, just one of the most annoying laughs in the world. Michelle Obama, it's an annoying laugh. Kamala Harris, it is an unbearable cackle. I mean, that's how she laughs. 
I, I could go all day on, on uh, attacks like this towards anybody on the right or anybody on, on the left. But I, in this specific case, I, I don't like the unfair treatment towards certain people by the media. But then when it, there's these, man, I, I'm fumbling over my words because I don't even understand how, how to portray th- this pedestal that they have certain people on, usually females, and it's it's almost like Obama himself. You know, you can't criticize or you're a racist, and you you can't criticize Kamala Harris or you're a sexist, and it, it's just it's it goes back to the same yeah but COVID yeah but climate change. You can't argue against it. You can't one up it. It, it. That is the final sentence. That is the closing statement of that argument. And whoever pulls those cards first wins. And that's the problem with our public discourse right now. We've got these trump cards that people get to use. And if we push back, well, then you get what you just saw from Jen Psaki, where she's essentially just trying to call the media out and saying, whoa, oh, you're, you're going to defy COVID protocols now. Oh, that's a different story. Because we've all seen exactly how the media and big tech and social media treat any sort of news organization that dares come out and question the air quotes science coming from the left and coming from the CDC and the WHO. So I guess that's all I got to say there. Um, I'm just going to be on the lookout for continued uh, just how the media treats the administration. Uh, we, we saw a lot of hostility and a lot of um, just character defamation from the media towards, of course, Donald Trump, but then also Kayleigh McEnany, the former White House press secretary, who was another one of these women who, if they came from the left, they would be this strong, um, confident woman that we should all emulate. And yet, because she's a conservative, because she wears a cross around her neck, and because she was absolutely beautiful, the left hates her. And they hate any any woman like that. We've seen that with cancel culture, um, on se- on several several examples of that. Moving on, um, Coca Cola is under fire for their "Be Less White" diversity training video. Um, I I wanted to to spend some time on this article or on this subject because I want to firmly and clearly answer the who, what, and why of the situation. So, what's the story? Coca-Cola had some diversity training videos that they showed to their employees and inside is essentially a PowerPoint. Um, and then before I move on, a lot of people are, are, are pushing this all on Coca-Cola, which is not the case. That is a short-sighted almost, um, it's almost a scapegoat argument for the creators of the video, which was not Coca-Cola. These were diversity training seminars from LinkedIn, whatever it is, LinkedIn learning or education or something, Um, which of course LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. So LinkedIn is is just, it's becoming more than just a a professional social platform. It's becoming a training tool for businesses, especially small businesses who can't produce this type of material themselves. Now, we have the what? this LinkedIn training seminar used by Coca-Cola and essentially what it was, it was telling people how to be more diverse, how to be more um, accepting and open-minded, things like that. There was a slide deck used. Now this comes from 
This gets into the who. The who who created this training video with LinkedIn is Robin D'Angelo, who's the author of a book called White Fragility, where she openly discusses um, really her hate for white culture and what she believes white culture does to culture in general, especially as it relates to minorities. Um, this information comes to us because of uh, somebody named Carlin. Um, oh, crap. Her last name, Borisenko. Yeah. Uh, she, she had a whistleblower come out to her from Coca-Cola, who happened to be African-American as well, came to Carlin Borisenko and gave her... Uh, they, don't, they don't even look like screenshots. They look like pictures taken with a camera phone and sent um, to Carlin. And then just a little bit further insight, Borshenko is a psychologist. She's a YouTuber. Um, she's got a, I guess, a business or organization called Zen Workplace. And uh, she's doing a lot of reporting on the subject. I've heard her on radio shows, seen her on TV shows. She's all over the place as it relates to this. So there's the who, the why. D'Angelo believes, quote, in the U.S. and other Western nations, white people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they are white, end quote. So what is wrong there? A lot of people would hear that, and depending on your ideology or your worldview, you might agree with that. You might say, well, yeah, of course, white people think they're superior to minorities. But why is that? Why is that something that so many people are so ready to just accept as fact? I have not wet wet. I have not met a white person who in any way felt superior to a minority simply because they were a minority. To me, the racism enters in when somebody like D'Angelo makes these broad assumptions specifically based on somebody's skin color, which I was led to believe growing up was not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do the opposite, right? We're supposed to judge people based off the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. But tell me if this sounds like Martin Luther King. Quote, uh, this is the description of the course. This is what Robin DeAngelis says. The purpose of this training seminar is this. Quote, in this course, Robin DeAngelo, the best-selling author of White Fragility, gives you the vocabulary and practices you need to start confronting racism and unconscious bias at the individual level and throughout your organization. Before I continue... I think it's important to note what they say, their unconscious bias. So if you th think you're not a racist, well, that just means that that's just proof that you've got unconscious bias. You're not even aware that you're a racist. Again, how do you argue against that? Can anybody tell me how, if I, if somebody asked me, Hey, are you a racist? And I say no. And then they say, well, that's evidence of your unconscious bias. <laughs> Where do you go from there? And then they take it further, unconscious bias at the individual level. Now, the way my brain works, if somebody says, I am not a racist, I mean, I just basically declared this entire training seminar irrelevant, don't need it, get rid of it, move on to the next item on this massive to-do list that everybody has. At an individual level, this course is assuming that there's unconscious bias. That nobody is above being racist, even if they're not aware that they're a racist. And of course, throughout the organization as well. Continuing that description, there's no magic recipe for building an inclusive workplace. 
It's a process that needs to involve people of color, and that needs to go on for as long as your company is in business. But with these tools at your disposal, you'll be well on your way. Um, I should have just cut that last chunk out, but I didn't want to um, misquote them. So if the purpose of the video is to address unconscious bias at the individual and organization level, what really is the goal of the seminar? Okay, so we address unconscious bias. So let's flip through the slide deck and actually see what this training seminar presents to its viewers. So here's one of the slides, LinkedIn Learning. That's what it was, learning. Confronting racism, understanding what it means to be white, challenging what it means to be racist. To be less white is to, and there's a list of bullets. First, be less oppressive, be less arrogant, be less certain, be less defensive, be less ignorant, be more humble, listen, believe, break with apathy, break with white solidarity. So the interesting thing, one of the things I always loved about grammar growing up was analyzing sentences. So to be less white is, and then all these things, be less this, be less this, be more this. So then you can take the inverse of that. To be more white is to be more oppressive, to be more arrogant. So then now let's just take out the quantifier, the less and the more. To be white is to be oppressive, be arrogant, be certain, be defensive, be ignorant. It says to be more humble. So you're not humble if you're white. You don't listen. You won't believe. So my train of thought here is that this these training videos at their roots are racist. And that's why, of course, LinkedIn eventually pulled the, the learning videos. Coca-Cola first came out and said, yeah, you know, sorry, we had this video or whatever they said. They acknowledged it. And then they quickly pivoted and said, um, no, this is fake news. I mean, how do you deny it at this point? You know, the left loves whistleblowers. Here's a whistleblower from within the company who is not a white person saying this is not good. This is not right. This is wrong. Another slide from the training. In the U.S. and other Western nations, white people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they are white. Replace white. In all instances, replace white with any other color, any other ethnicity, religious background, whatever. In the U.S. and other Western nations, black people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they are black. It's wrong. It's racist. And yet somehow our country and our society has been led to believe that you can't be racist against a white person because there's more of them. Research shows, uh, continuing reading, research shows that by age three to four, children understand that it is better to be white. And I'd love to understand why that is. If that is true, is it because they've experienced racism? Is, is it because they've experienced as a white kid, oh, it's better for me to be white because that black kid gets treated unfairly? Or if they're a black kid, wow, you know, I get treated unfairly, that white person. Is that what's happening at age three or four? Or is it maybe it's a mom and dad, or maybe it's a brother or a sister, or an uncle or an aunt injecting that? You know, Disturbed has a song. Um, I think it's called Who Taught You How to Hate. And it's essentially that children don't understand racism. They do not. 
But there's a certain cutoff point where it dawns in their head, almost like eating from the tree of life. Now they realize, oh, this exists. And it's learned. It's taught. It's not inherent. So who taught these kids? And then there's a slide, uh, maybe two-thirds of the way through the training seminar, which is 10 minutes. So at the 6.15, there's a screenshot of, it just says the whole slide, just try to be less white. And this slide deck is in the show notes as well. Um, So in short, the seminar, all white people are racist, especially those who do not think they are racist. The only way to correct racism is to acknowledge it and bring whites down a peg. And that is something that, whether it's economically or socially, as we're discussing right now, it seems there is a disagreement on the how to correct what anybody perceives to be an injustice. And the left, unfortunately, in almost every situation, their default is to bring the offending party down versus building up the victim party. So instead of giving blacks more opportunities, giving minorities, you know, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, instead of giving them more opportunities and encouraging them to be better, they say, well, it's the white people's fault. So y'all minorities just keep doing what you're doing. White people, you're the problem. We need to bring y'all down a peg and then we'll be even. But what does it matter first if we're all equally oppressed, if we're all equally downtrodden, if we're all equally lacking in resources because of the, the effects of these social jihads that this administration is embracing in, in month number one? That's what scares me is how quickly they embraced these ideologies, whether it's the 1619 Project or it's Coca-Cola or it's the Great Reset. It's day one. They were bold enough to just throw it in there. And maybe it, maybe it wasn't being bold. Maybe it was, hey, let's say it on day one, set the tone, and then hopefully people will just forget about it while we continue to work towards those goals. But hey, at least we told you we weren't hiding it. I don't know. It's baffling to me. But... I gotta, I gotta put my tinfoil hat on real quick. Uh, cue up the Great Reset jingle that doesn't exist yet. What do Coca-Cola, LinkedIn, and LinkedIn's parent company Microsoft all have in common? Ooh, they are all on the list of partners at the World Economic Forum website as signing on to these goals of the Great Reset. There, I said it. It's out there. Taking the tinfoil hat off now. Next subject, we had Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Um, they had a, I don't even know what they call these little back and forth news reels or whatever. And um, they're talking about different things going on. One of the things that one of these hosts or comedians, it's not very funny, said was uh, talking about the Israeli COVID vaccine rollout plan. Uh, and his assumption of who he believes probably got the vaccine soonest. Listen. Israel is reporting that they vaccinated half of their population. And I'm going to guess it's the Jewish half. (laughs) So not only is that just not funny, but it's wrong. It's flat out wrong. Um, But Saturday Night Live did get some legit backlash, and for good reason, I feel. Um, isn't it the left that was distrusting of the vaccine to begin with? You know, wasn't it, you know, can we trust this vaccine because it's been produced so quickly because it's come out of the Trump administration? And then 
they realized, oh crap, we better not be bashing this vaccine because we might win this presidential race and then we're the ones who are going to be trying to inject it in people's arms. And all of a sudden, uh, the vaccine now is just this basic human necessity, even though it, it's not like it's curing anything that's really threatening anybody's lives, unless, of course, you are within those compromised um, demographics, the older people, and people with um, compromised immune systems and uh, respiratory issues, things like that. But for the general population, the vaccine is really more of a, eh, should I get it? I don't know. I've said it on here before, if I had the vaccine in front of me, which is largely untested, largely unproven, it's brand new, it is. it was rushed out, Operation Warp Speed did its job very well, but I'm not sure if I trust it. If I got that in front of me, and I've got COVID with two weeks of quarantine, which I'm already doing, working from home anyways, I'm probably just going to get sick and be done with it, but I don't know. That's not a call I've had to make yet. But getting back to the facts of the situation, um, I saw on there 43% of Israel's Arab community has been vaccinated. Is Saturday Night Live going to have to issue a, you know, hey, sorry, we messed up there. You know, we've seen so much from Democrats. We've seen so much from the far left Democrat leadership about how words matter. January 6th, words matter, Mr. Trump. And And yet they get to just throw out hyperbole and satire as if there are no repercussions to it. Now, I I completely back and would defend their ability to say these things. The problem is they're allowed to say that Israel is only vaccinating Israelis in a show of essentially racism. They're allowed to say that and be wrong factually. But people can't come out and even question the legitimacy of the election results and they can't come out and even question whether or not the COVID vaccine should be distributed to everybody. Uh, should everybody even be taking the COVID vaccine? Should we be, we, should we be wearing masks? All of this stuff that has gotten people banned from Twitter. We saw David Crowder got banned from Twitter because he's got verifiable 100% authentic evidence of voter fraud. And he got banned from Twitter over it. And I'd encourage you to go watch that show. If you're not following Steven Crowder, I might've said David Crowder. I do that all the time. So when I say David Crowder, just know that I'm not referring to whoever the hell David Crowder is. I think he's like a musician or something. I don't know. And I don't care. I mean, Steven Crowder. Um, anyways, you need to be following him on Facebook and Instagram as well. But so anyways, yeah, we'll jump off of that. Um, how is it that somebody like Steven Crowder can be banned for questioning things with science, with evidence. And yet Saturday, Saturday night live can jump out and make a very bad joke. That's not even funny, but not only is it not funny, it's not factual and there's no repercussions there. I'm not sure, (laughs) but to be fair in the argument, you know, I'll take the other side. Um, yes, 43% of Israel's Arab community has been vaccinated, but according to the same article, the counter argument is that Israel has not vaccinated the Palestinian people yet, um, although that area is under Israeli control. So what do, you, what do you do with that information? I don't know. I'm going to move on. Uh, well, before I move on, somewhat redeeming, this same um, whatever you want to call this from Saturday Night Live, this video, did also take a little swipe at Governor Cuomo 
at about the one minute mark. Uh, la, 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 la. Where's it at? Here we go. <laughs> Researchers studying the remains of a woolly mammoth have uncovered the world's oldest DNA sequence. In fact, it's so old, Andrew Cuomo is covering up its death. <laughs> I thought that was good. It, it's, oh, we've seen so much come out about this Andrew uh, Cuomo thing, which if, I think I've talked about it on the podcast already. Um, Governor Cuomo from New York, if you're not aware, um, was essentially one lying about the number of people that had died from COVID in the nursing homes in his state. Not only that, they were pulling people from hospitals and putting them into the nursing homes, even though they had COVID and lying about it. Um, it's a massive scandal. He's already receiving tons of backlash for it. Bravo, New York. Bravo. You know, Don't let this asshole get away with it. We can, de- we can debate politics all day long going forward, but when you got somebody like Cuomo just flat out lying and people dying because of his lies... If we can't unite around that, I don't know what we can unite around. Um, That's just me. So moving on, I want to get you out of here quickly for this uh, midweek update because I got plenty to throw at you on Friday as well. So stay tuned. Um, Rapid fire. We're going to hit a bunch of articles here at the close. Uh, Trump to speak at CPAC on February 28th. That is this Friday, I believe, at the last day of the conference. Um, Yeah, last day of the conference being the 28th. The conference starts, I believe, on the 25th. But Trump's going to speak last day of the conference. Not surprising. He has spoken there before. Uh, Him speaking there is not the news. The news is this is the first time he's going to be speaking in a a live setting since uh, the attempted impeachment, since leaving office. Um, So I'm curious. I'm going to be watching his speech, not because I'm curious just about what he has to say. I want to see what is going to be thrown at him. He's already gone through uh, this, this this week. There was a Supreme Court ruling that he could not withhold his uh, tax returns, his tax filings in this investigation that's going on. Um, but I think they did rule that, he, that it doesn't have to be part of the public information packet. It can be kept secret. Um, so we're going to see what's going to happen there. Obviously, it, Trump is not acting as if he has something to hide except for the fact that he's wanting to hide his tax records. Now, anybody in business, anybody with competitors out there, anybody with enemies, like obviously Donald Trump's got enemies, uh, wouldn't want their income and earnings and expenditures and tax filings all out there for the public record to see. That's just business. Um, so you could say that, yeah, maybe Trump's hiding something there, but I honestly have not seen him posturing himself as hiding. It's always been, it makes business sense, but if you want to see it, go ahead and see it. I think he said that before. Um, but I will be watching for Donald Trump to talk about that at the CPAC uh, speech. I'm also going to be listening for him to make known his course of action regarding the Republican Party. Um, we've seen a lot of polls coming out, which I'm sure are coming from the Trump team, about, you know, if Trump ran again, would you vote for him? If Trump backed a Republican, would you vote for him? And then also the the big concern is if Trump formed a third party, would you follow? And the Republican Party is extremely afraid of that. They're terrified of Donald Trump making his own party. So I'm sure they're going to be trying to keep him from doing that as much as possible. I'm not sure. I don't really have an idea of what I want him to do. I kind of would just like for him to go away. Uh, but I, I am going to be looking for him to talk about that um, 
2024 elections. Is he going to run 2022 endorsements for Senate? Uh, and then just the tone, how, how he refers to Biden, how he talks about VP Harris, how he talks about uh, Mitch McConnell, how he talks about Lindsey Graham, how, all those different things. I want to I want to get an idea of his tone because I'm not a Donald Trump supporter. I liked a lot of what he did. I didn't like a lot of what he did as well. Um, more so, it's almost like research. I want to know what what's his tone now that he's had some time away from the White House, away from the press. What's what's his mission? Where's he going from here? And that, to me, is going to tell me all I need to know as far as do I want to support that or do I want to distance myself from more of what we saw the last four years, more inflammatory speech, more just shooting from the hip, um, not really caring about what he says or how he says it. It's almost like, you know, like these people, well, freedom of speech, I can say whatever I want, but then they don't address the repercussions of what they said, or they, they don't have a little bit of self-awareness to watch how they say it. They're not aware of how it's being received. And that's a problem. That's a problem I've always had with Trump is he exercises his freedom of speech, but he doesn't exercise the responsibility that comes along with that to make sure that not only is he saying what he wants to say, but he's saying it in a way so that it can be received the way he intended. And that's, that's just public speaking one-on-one, right? You know, there's what you say verbally, there's the nonverbal cues, all of those different things that it seems Donald Trump just doesn't give a crap about. And, and I would say that's probably his number one flaw. You know, he can't just get up there and talk and relay information. He's got to get up there and invoke uh, emotions. He's got to get up there and poke his enemy in the eye, make sure that all his friends are still on his side. And it's just this this constant pivoting back and forth of, you suck, you're cool. You suck, you're still cool, but you're on thin ice, bro. That That's how he talks to his friends and his enemies. Not necessarily um, what I say. What I would say is con- conducive of a peaceful um, discourse. Again, that's just me. Moving on, Cartoon Network is pushing anti-racism, lecturing kids to see color, and that's where we're at now. This is a, this comes from PragerU. I'm going to show you or uh, show you play for you some audio from PragerU about Cartoon Network. In Cartoon Network solidarity with anti-racism, they push their kids and their audience to see color. Hey, remember that really famous person who said that really famous quote to judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character? By pushing people to see color, you're literally doing the opposite. We're regressing. For all the talk about systemic racism, yeah, all these institutions are perpetuating systemic racism. Anti-racism is just racism. So I feel like could have presented that a little bit better, but this is a beef I've had with the entire, I guess you can call it the anti-racism movement, but it's almost, it's almost like the pro-life pro-choice, you know, I'm pro-choice. I believe women have the right to choose. And so if you're not for that, then you're against a woman's right to to choose and they put it in a broad sense so that when they attack you on the flip side they can say well you're just a sexist but really no specifically i don't want a woman to have the right to choose to kill an unborn baby you know so there's there's power in being specific 
Um, so saying something as broad as anti-racist, that sounds specific, but it's very broad because of how the word racist is being used in today's culture. It's such a loaded word. There's so much that you could potentially be alluding to by calling somebody a racist. We're seeing the same thing with extremists. A uh, right-wing extremist since, since January 6th is being thrown around as if, you know, it's just somebody's favorite color. And that, in, that to me, is dangerous. So when you say, I'm anti-racist, well, no, no don't, don't say racist. What are you against? Are you against defining people by their skin color? Well, apparently not, because that's exactly what they're doing. We, we saw that with the Coca-Cola story. Um, so if you're okay now judging and making decisions for other people based off of their skin color, solely off of their skin color, how are you any different than these racists that you claim to be anti? So let's let's listen. Let's uh, well, I'll watch. <laughs> you listen to the C color PSA released by Cartoon Network. I guess it was a commercial um, that came on during a show or something. But he- here's the audio. Or purple? What the? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up a minute here. Ugh, who wrote this? I, I think it kind of does matter that I'm purple. I mean, I'm purple because I'm literally an alien. Well, I'm not an alien, but it definitely matters to me that I'm black. Yeah, it makes a difference that I'm white. I know the two of us get treated very differently. I just think it's messed up to compare me being an alien to you two being different races. You're both human. You're you're totally biologically the same. Adding purple people into a lesson about human racism makes no sense. Yeah, yeah that's that is pretty, pretty weird. weird. I think people like the black, white, or purple thing because adding a fantasy race in there helps distract from the actual racism black people have to deal with. Right. My experience with anti-black racism is really specific. Other people of color experience other forms of racism too, but you won't see any of that if you don't see color. Dude, so this entire public service announcement could be a ploy to avoid talking about racism altogether. Hey, uh, can we get a rewrite where we appreciate each other without erasing what makes each of us different? Okay, but it's going to add a couple hours to the shoot. I can make yours open. Uh, you were rolling just now, weren't you? Can't we just slap some graphics on this and call it a day? So that's basically it. Um... (sighs) Very obviously juvenile way to present what I would say is a very um, mature subject, and yet they're just slapping it at kids like that. Here's, I understand the argument of, no, we shouldn't be colorblind because I'm not translucent. You know, I'm Hispanic, so I want to be appreciated as a Hispanic. But it really is a... I mean, you could almost call it white privilege, but Western, you know, first world problems type thing. It's like, well, I'm not being appreciated for my skin color and and that offends me. There are people out there who just, who don't care about that because they're worried about where's their next meal going to come from. It is so privileged to go out there and, and demand so much from society when others can't even demand from their own governments, hey, don't throw me in a concentration camp because I'm Muslim. 
you know, like that, I understand we can't just say, well, we can't worry about this because there's other people going through a bad situation. You know, like, like the whole argument, yeah, I don't want to eat my vegetables. Yeah, but there's starving kids in Africa who would love to have that. I, I still don't want to eat my vegetables. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, I get that side of the argument where, okay, yeah, things are bad over there, but let's focus on here. This is a bad situation. How do we make it better? To me, I, I don't understand the other argument, and maybe you can come on the show and, and educate me. I don't understand the, not even just the emphasis, but the obsession over skin color and genitalia in today's society. How people define themselves by what's in their pants, who they sleep with, and what their skin color is. Now, that's fine if you want to self-identify. I don't, I don't care. You know, if it, whatever. If you want to refer to yourself by your chosen pronouns, go for it. But the problem for me arises when the rest of society is held to not principled standards of how humans treat humans, but to very specific, one-off, individual preferences. You know, if you go and look at everybody's computer settings, everybody's got different settings. Like if you got an iPhone or even the Android with all the different icons on your homepage, everybody's is different. So to now try to inject that individuality and uniqueness and to create policy based off of it, it's asinine. It's setting everybody else up for failure. You know, I know somebody who's you know pretty close to me who decided she, this person wants different a different name and different pronouns than they were born with. And it has caused strife within my family because it's like a landmine is set in front of every one of us. Every single time we engage in, in any sort of discussion with this person, it can be talking about a, a movie that's coming out. And if we use the wrong pronoun or by habit, I'm talking many, many years of habit of calling this person by one name and one pronoun. Now, all of a sudden that's out the window. And if I use the wrong pronoun or I use the wrong name, well, I mean, that's the, I might as well just hang myself at that point because I've committed the ultimate sin. And that is where I have a beef with this. If, if you feel you were born a female and you feel you you are a male. You are a male trapped in a female's body. If you really feel that way, I, I have sympathy. I feel sorry for you. That, that, that must be a miserable existence. You know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But to me, you lose credibility when you start trying to use your disposition or your situation or whatever it is as a way to pull a hatchet job on everybody around you. That is where I have a problem with this. So bringing that back over to skin color, if you want to be treated like somebody of color, you know, I, I'm black. I want to be treated as a black person or I'm Hispanic. So I want people to see me as a Hispanic person, but to then go and fight and be anti-racist which is, you know, le legitimately calling on people, hey, don't judge me by my skin color. But then if I say, oh, no, 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 I would never judge you by your skin color. I'm colorblind. Oh, that's racist too. Like, <laughs> it, 
how do I succeed? And that's, that's the question that the rest of this country is asking is how do I possibly meet these expectations when literally these expectations that are set in front of me disagree with each other? And like I said, from person to person, it can be different. I mean, just look at the long list of, of sexual orientations that are out there now. I mean, just, just pure, not gender, because you know gender doesn't exist. But then if you read the definitions of all these different sexual uh, orientations, they're all based on gender, or the lack of gender, or the fluidity of gender, or the non-decided gender. It's, 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 gender doesn't exist until it does. And it only exists when I need it so I can explain to you my convoluted self-identity of questioning yesterday I was this, tomorrow I'll be this, but today I'm not sure. But don't you dare refer to me as something I was yesterday because today I don't feel that way. And tomorrow better not refer to me to how I feel today because my mind might change. It's just, it's asinine. And I only bring it up because it's just like how, and I promise I'm almost done. It's, It's like how... I, how I, I discuss politics as far as you know Democrat liberal Democrat leadership uh, far left radical left Th- those are all different groups of people and so when I talk about something like this I'm not talking about it because I think everybody feels that so that that way I have to make that distinction I don't believe the vast majority of people believe in what Cartoon Network is doing here or that they agree with it. I don't believe that. And that's my problem. That's why I've been spending so much time on you know, like the great reset, because it explains, maybe it's not what's going to happen. You know, I, I don't want to say that this is what's going to happen. My fixation on the great reset is because it explains this irrational behavior by these large companies, whether it's Facebook, Google, Nike, Ben and Jerry's, um, all these different companies, these corporations are not behaving in a way that makes sense according to our current capitalistic free market system. It does make sense if you're playing towards a future goal or a future inevitability of, hey, this is how it's going to be. And you can either play along and get along and you can exist past 2022, or you can jump on board, you know, Check the boxes of, you know, climate change, fine, diversity, equity, whatever. Yeah, I'll do all those things. I'm allowed to exist under this this new umbrella of sustainable stakeholder capitalism, things like that. And so I bring this article or this um, PSA announcement, whatever it was from Cartoon Network, because not because I believe people actually believe that, but because Cartoon Network invested time and money and took a risk with this, we'll call it a commercial. And they wouldn't have done it if they didn't believe that this was the direction that either society or policy are headed. And that's all I'm saying. You know, I had the episode, when people are telling you who they are, believe them. I believe that these companies, these corporations like Cartoon Network are telling you, this is what we're signing on to. This is what you're going to get more of in the future if things stayed as they've been. Um, all right, so I'll jump off of that. I have very little time. I will talk about the Attorney General nominee Merrick Garland um, another day. 
he answered some questions to Josh Hawley, who uh, one of the um, House members who was questioning, or Senate members, who was questioning him, and he doesn't seem to have thought about anything ever before. So I'm going to play a little bit of his audio, and I might just have it playing in the background because I, I don't have time to cover the whole thing. But essentially what's going on is this nominee, Merrick Garland, has a long history of not necessarily standing with the Constitution and not necessarily standing for um, justice, which, I mean, it's his job as attorney general. He is the top prosecutor in the nation. I mean, it's it's kind of up to him, in a sense, to pursue different things. I mean, we saw how people said that Attorney General William Barr, Trump's Attorney General, was a um, an ally of Donald Trump, and that he wasn't necessarily uh, doing his job independently or unbiased. He was doing whatever Donald Trump wanted him to do. That was the argument against him. And he he this new Attorney General nominee in his confirmation hearing received questions about that and about a whole lot of other things. And, and I'll cover the audio in full next time. Um, but what I want you to start looking into is where, who is Merrick Garland? Where does he come from? Um, what is he passionate about? And when he received questions from Democrats about the January 6th riots, or he receives questions about, um, well, he got a, a question from Cory Booker here in this audio that you'll hear on Friday um, about why he came here. And he gets super emotional. He's really invested in these ideological questions. But then when, like right now, is playing a Ted Cruz question comes in or a Josh Hawley com question comes in. And now it's, well, um, uh, uh, mm, I, you know, I haven't really thought about that before. And I'm talking questions like, hey. Is it illegal for people to illegally cross our border? Mm, well, uh, you know, I haven't really thought about that. Have you ever thought about anything? It doesn't seem like it. Um, so I want to play this whole video. It's a little over four minutes. Uh, it's kind of the, the highlight re reel for the confirmation hearing. We'll cover that on the next episode, but I would encourage you to follow along with that because this dude is, they, they brought him in because of how ready he is to assign guilt to start calling certain groups of people extremists and to take action based off of that adjective itself. Um, so I'm going to move on from there. In closing, I want to leave you with this. Uh, know your neighbor. I had an idea the other day that came across my, my brain, which happens every now and then. Much like watching a movie about business can make you feel like Oh, I could do that. I can be a businessman. You get inspired and you see this businessman doing businessman things and you think, oh, I could do that. But very few ever actually take action on that feeling. And that's like this idea of uniting and loving and being accepting and diverse and equity and all those things that we're seeing in pop culture, we're seeing on TV shows and in movies now. It makes a lot of people feel really good about uniting without ever actually uniting or taking a step towards uniting with people who disagree with us. You know, it's even the Bible says, you know, Jesus didn't come here to heal the sick. I mean, to heal the, the well, he didn't, he's the great physician. He came here to heal the sick. Healthy people don't need a physician at that moment. And, and so politically speaking, it's easy 
to feel like you are uniting when all you do is engage with people who agree with you. So as we take on these challenges each week of being kind to each other and, and, and trying to find ways to help each other, step one to that is knowing each other. And in the world of COVID, in the world of online shopping, in the world of everything online, every, everybody has their own TV show that they watch. Everybody streams a different network. We're so separated. We're so um, divided physically. You know, we we're so isolated from each other that to unite ideologically, it's almost impossible without taking a physical step of, hey, I'm going to shake your hand. I don't know you, or I do know you, and I know you disagree with me, or whatever it is. Just maybe it's on purpose that we're so isolated from each other right now. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's people out there who love that we're so isolated. There's others who don't. There's people on both sides of the aisle, like me, who COVID is actually kind of living my best life. I don't have to see people. I can just place an order on my phone. It gets left at my doorstep, and there's my dinner. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good, convenient world to live in, but how, what sort of societal effects does it have beyond just how I get my food or how I stream my favorite show? But really, we can only hate each other if we never meet each other. We can only unite with each other when we, when we know each other. When we can, you know, I, I told a story before about, you know, somebody who thought one thing about her neighbors and then met them and realized, I can't hate them. They're just normal people. And, and that's what we're lacking. We're lacking that uh, even the ability to give somebody the benefit of the doubt because we don't know them. We don't know anything personal about them, at least not enough to say, well, okay, the, yes, that, that's their viewpoint, but this is where they come from. This is why they believe that. They don't believe this. They're not crazy about it. This, they're, you know, they're just different to each his own. Everybody's different. We used to believe in phrases like that, but it doesn't seem like that anymore. It doesn't seem like we can throw out the... Well, everybody's just different. Whatever floats your boat. That's, that's just not the case anymore. There is a correct way to float a boat now. And there is a correct way to believe and interact with people and society in general. And if you don't fall in line behind that protocol, you're cast out. And then, in final closing, <laughs> can the other side unite with you? The question posed to me when I was playing basketball as a kid, you know, are you coachable? Are you able to, to accept constructive criticism and consider it and, you know, okay, maybe I should change. Maybe I should do my layup a different way. Maybe I should practice with my left hand. Maybe I should practice my bounce pass or whatever it is. You know, you, you, coach could tell me, Hey, you need to work on your bounce pass. And I could say, no, what are you talking about? My bounce pass is perfect. That's not being coachable. And that's what we're seeing in society with politics and all these different things that we're divided over. It's how dare you even think that I could be wrong. And that's on both sides, myself included. So it's, it's important as we're questioning what we believe and why we believe it to also question that not only am I willing to unite with the other side, but I am capable of being united with. 
And part of that is making your viewpoints public knowledge, owning what it is you believe, claiming what it is you believe, and being able to back it up with evidence and fact. Being the better man is uh, it's actually a very vulnerable position to be in. It seems like this high and mighty, I'm up on my, my throne here, I'm the better man, when actually it is vulnerable. It's, it's a version of you, it's being a version of you, that you consider the higher road, that you consider being better, the better man. Not necessarily what society says is the right path. So having that conviction and following your convictions and, and living according to your principles, that's, that's, all, that's great and all when it goes along with what, excuse me, when it goes along with what society demands of you, but when following your path, when doing what you believe is right, does not go along with society's norms. That's a vulnerable vulnerable position to be in. It means being 100% transparent and honest with anybody listening or watching to you. And in that, that in final, final closing, that is my biggest uh, apprehension with the podcast. It is, what if I say something that I don't actually believe? What if I say something that, oh, that, you know, that's not how I meant it. And that's scary. That's very scary to me because, of course, you know, your reputation, your reliability is everything, especially when you're talking about politics because it's so quick to just get the one up and, well, you said this and technically that's wrong, so you're an idiot. I mean, that, that's terrifying to me. <laughs> um, so I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with just take that challenge these people whoever it is wherever they are that you claim to disagree with do you know who they are do you can you give them the benefit of the doubt and base it on actual knowledge of who they are if not maybe you shouldn't have such a strong opinion of that person and vice versa Um, if people don't know who you are but they have these opinions about you we all know those people who i didn't even know you in high school you were kind of a dick to me But all of a sudden, they got all these opinions of you. It's really easy to just not care about what they say if you back, if you, if you lean on the fact that they don't even know you. So both, both sides are true. Take that, do what you will with it. Uh, Sorry for keeping you so late again. um, I do I do have plenty of notes already going for Friday's podcast so stay tuned we will talk about Attorney General nominee Merrick Garland and um, answer the questions or at least pose the questions and discuss them why would Joe Biden want somebody like this in his administration so with that be kind to each other uh, be respectful I didn't talk to y'all today about Black Rifle Coffee or Cross and Musket Apparel check out both of them www.blackriflecoffee.com go to Instagram at Cross and Musket. Check out our t-shirts. Use promo code INSTA for 20% off. And uh, on Black Rifle Coffee, sign up for that subscription. Pick whatever coffee you want. Whole bean, ground, doesn't matter. Once a month, twice a month, once every other month. Set it up. Never worry about coffee again. And support a great company that is doing great things with their profits. Uh, That was your midweek update. I will see you on Friday. Hopefully not too much happens so that I can actually just focus on one subject for more than 12 seconds. Anyways, take care.